Welcome to Faith Baptist Church, Great Village, where we believe in the truth of the gospel, building of community, and engaging in the mission of Christ. We hope you enjoy this week's message as our pastors share from God's Word. Uh, uh, this, uh, you know, I just am so thankful. Like, can you imagine five, ten, twenty years ago, we, we wouldn't be thinking that this would be possible. We would have been basically just canceling because we no power no washrooms yeah. no no sound uh no heat uh and so we would have just had to cancel and that would have been it we would have been silent uh but we were able to proceed this morning in in a, in a, in a manner of fashion and uh so we're i'm just it blows me away what uh, the technology allows us to do and how it allows us to connect because we're talking about community we're talking about the one and others in the new testament and, and the one and others are really all about community and um, this uh, this series um, actually uh, uh, it uh, involves uh, a number of my favorite Greek words. Um, we're going to be talking about one of my favorite Greek words today, orkodomeo. Uh, but before we get there, the, that's my favorite. That's your favorite. Word. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you like that? Is that your favorite? <laughs> Even the Let sound of it. <laughs> How do you say that? Orkodomeo. Oiko Domeo, okay. Yeah, Oiko is Oikos, house. Sounds like a Greek yogurt that we get. It, it does, yes, it is. It's the same word. Uh, but but the word for one another in Greek is um, alelon, and it's used 100 times in the New Testament, which is, uh, wow. I think, is, is substantial. And it's interesting, too, that Strong's uh, concordance refers to uh, this word, alelon, which is translated one another, uh, Strong's calls it a reciprocal pronoun. I thought that was, that was interesting. Wow. Um, because uh, just that whole idea of reciprocity involved in the concept of the one another's, uh, doing life together, community, not individualism, mm. right? Not I'll do my thing, you do your thing, and, and, and my business is my business, and your business is your business, and, and uh, just becoming islands to ourselves. Uh, that's not the picture of the New Testament at all. Uh, individualism is, is a problem. Uh, Don Miller, if you're online and you remember that little I, remember that little I in our model? It's not a not a capital I, it's a little I. <laughs> right? Not the big I, the little I. But anyways, it's um, last week we talked about how all of the one another's are under the umbrella of loving one another. And that's a really important point that we will probably be making throughout this series because... Uh, that is the great command that Jesus gave us, the new command, he says, uh, in uh, John 13. But uh, with reference to the whole uh, umbrella of, of love one another and all of the one another's being facets of the command to love one another, Josh, if you could read Matthew 22, verse 36 to 40. All right. People will be familiar with that, I think. Matthew 22, 36 to 40. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Yeah, and so most people are familiar with that, you know. Uh, this is, love God is the greatest commandment. The second one's like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the laws hang. Uh, Paul says in Romans 13, all the laws is fulfilled in in the commandment to love one another. And uh, uh, Jonathan Edwards said, love is our primary affection, the fountain of all 
our other heart experiences. And Jesus, of course, in John 13 said, a new command I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you. That's the new part, that you love one another as I have loved you. Uh, by this, he says, John 13, by this, verse 35, I think it is, all men will know that you are my disciples. So this is how people will know that we belong to Jesus. It'll be our, our love for one another. And uh, so uh, this morning, we're, uh, we're going to be talking about two things, two facets of what it means to love one another. The first one is uh, comes to us in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 32. Uh, the advanced reading that we sent out suggestion was to read all of chapter 4 of Ephesians. But uh, we right now, we're just going to get Josh to read verse 32. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. So the, these commands or exhortations uh, that we refer to as the one another's, uh, they usually appear in clusters, uh, and like they do uh, in that in that verse, uh, because the command to forgive one another is in that verse. And so uh, the reason for that is probably obvious. Uh, it's because these things are all interrelated. Not only are they all uh, related to what it means to love one another, but they're related to each other in different ways. They, inter, they interrelate. And so um, uh, that's, there's a, an overlap there always. So kindness, uh, kindness is one of those words that um, you know, you kind of wonder whether kindness is its own thing because, you know, kindness seems an awful lot like uh, compassion, for example. So we say, well, is there, is there a real difference between being kind and being compassion, compassionate? Well, um, we, 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 we believe there is. Um, uh, last week we talked about uh, patience. I mean, what would be the difference between being kind and, and being, being patient? Um, these words all have, have their own nuance for sure. But uh, in Galatians chapter 5, when Paul says the fruit of the Spirit is, and he lists a number of character qualities there that he refers to as the fruit of the Spirit, he lists kindness separately. Now, he does list it um, uh, right after patience, which uh, is probably significant. Last week we talked uh, mm -hmm. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, love is patient, love is kind. And it's the same order in Second uh, Corinthians chapter six, verse six. He he mentions patience, and then he mentions kindness, and uh, and in both of these instances, the word that's translated kindness is the Greek word kratos, and uh, it it's an interesting word. Uh, that's where we're going to be kind of talking about this idea of kindness here for a little bit. And so, if we go to Luke, Jesus mentions this. Uh, word in uh, Luke chapter 6 verse 35 when he and there it's translated um, uh, it says that God is kind it says but love your enemies do good lend expecting nothing in return and your reward will be great and you will be sons of the most high for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil so so God is kind Jesus said the Lord is kind the father is kind your God is kind I don't know if you think of God as being kind, but Scripture is clear on that. The, the, the actual word here is, is uh, kratos, which is obviously a, a, a related. Kratos uh, is comes from, is an adjective, uh, or, um, ad, yeah, adjective uh, form. 
same basic word. And the root word is interesting. The root word uh, has to do with being uh, something, being beneficial or being useful or helpful. Mm-hmm. So the, there's an idea, behind this idea of being kind, there's also is what's beneficial or what's useful. And it's interesting in Ephesians chapter 4 when Paul says, let no corrupt commu- communication come out of your mouth, but only what is beneficial, what is useful. So yeah. uh, it's, it's that, it has that idea. Uh, now, Josh, when we were in, uh, in the, back in the fall, we were doing the um, uh, Be a Good Human series. You preached on the Old Testament word hesed. Remember that, right? Yeah. And people will probably remember that. He said hesed. Uh, he said hesed. Said. Yeah. Um, you have a scripture there, uh, 2 Samuel chapter 9, verses 1 to 3, and then verse 7. It's where David yeah. is uh, looking for uh, Mephibosheth. And uh, specifically what David says he wants to do mm. for Mephibosheth. Can you uh, read that for us? And David said, Is there still anyone left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba. And they called him to David, and the king said to him, Are you Ziba? And he said, I am your servant. And the king said, Is there not still someone of the house of Saul that I may show the kindness of God to him? Ziba said to the king, there is still a son of Jonathan. He is crippled in his feet. And then verse 7. David said to him, do not fear, for I will show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. And I will restore to you all the land of Saul, your father, and you shall eat at my table always. Yeah, so uh, that I may show the kindness of God to him. Interesting, right? Now, when we were in that series in the fall, we made note that the word hesed is translated, often translated loving kindness. Yeah. It's also translated mercy. And what, what you see when you study the, the Greek word uh, for, that's translated kindness in these verses we're looking at is that there's a, is a, a, a connection, there's a sense in which Kindness is directly related to um, uh, mercy uh, and goodness. These that these ideas. In fact, the, the King James version of the fruit of the spirit doesn't have kindness; it has the word goodness. And Paul, when and this word Christasis, I I can't remember how I said it a minute ago. I have it written in my notes how to pronounce these words because. Uh, they, they uh, often escape the words. Christades, not Christades, Christades, uh, is translated there as, um, as uh, gentleness in the King James. But in Romans, the word, the same word, uh, you'd be familiar with the passage where it says um, the goodness of God leads us to repentance. So the word goodness there is that word, Christades. And uh, and in Romans chapter 3, where it says, uh, there's none that do, does good, no, not one, that's that same word. So, so what, we're, what we see when we study it is there's a, there's a sense in which kindness is, um, is, is, is goodness and mercy. It's, it's being good to people and showing people mercy. Yeah. So I, I find that the, the overlapping in, in meaning and nuance is... is is interesting and it's helpful and it also has that idea of being helpful or being beneficial to people, mm-hmm. right? And um, and so when you, and when you think about the differences between these words, last week we talked about patience. Well, patience is a very passive thing, right? If I'm going to be patient with you, what am I going to do? Yeah. Nothing. 
right? I'm just going to put up with you. I'm going to bear uh, with you. Uh, but kindness, on the other hand, and, and so it seems that Paul, uh, quite often when, he's, when these things are flowing out of his heart and mind, he, when he, he'll mention patience, and then the next thing he mentions is kindness. And it's almost like uh, it, that sense where Paul is, is it, when he thinks of us being patient with one another, that, that's a sort of a passive thing. But then, then there is that need to go beyond just being patient with one another mm-hmm. and actually to do something for people to be kind, to be merciful, to be good to them. Uh, I think that that's, uh, I think that that's uh, uh, edifying yeah. uh, for us. Um, you've got a scripture there that talks about uh, Jesus doing good uh, for people. Acts 10? Uh, Acts 10, 37 and 38. Uh, verse 37. You yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Yeah, and and so that idea that Jesus went about doing good, um, you know, when we, again, when we were back, when we were in, I think, back in the fall in that series, we talked about Genesis 1 and 2, where, you know, the, the goodness, the fact that God is good. Mm-hmm. The, the, the first real thing that we learn about God in Scripture, other than the fact that God is the creator, is that he's good. And, uh, and, good, and, there's a, and there's a very, very close connection between being good and being kind. And we see that in that verse where Jesus went about doing good. Yeah. And uh, because he is good, because God is good. And Jesus Christ was God in the flesh. And so, uh, and we're to emulate that. Acts 14 talks about uh, God being, being good. Uh, Acts 14, 16 and 17. Verse 16. In past generations, he allowed all the nations to walk in their own ways. Yet he did not leave himself without witness. For he did good by giving you rains from heaven, fruitful seasons, satisfying your hearts with food and gladness. Yeah, so in, in, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus talked about uh, be like your Heavenly Father because he sends the rain on the just and the unjust. He's good to, mm. to everybody, good to those who are evil. And so it's that, it's that idea of, again, mercy, goodness, kindness. And uh, so commentator William uh, Barclay points out that the, the uh, Reims version of Scripture translates um, this here uh, word uh, that's translated kindness um, in most of our, our references, or sometimes it's translated goodness. Uh, first, in 2 Corinthians 6, as sweetness. Um, Christ describes his yoke in Matthew chapter 11, verse 30, as um, using this, this word, mm. uh, which, which, where it's translated easy. easy. Same word, kind, mm. kindness, goodness, merciful. Uh, as that idea. Uh, the Greeks would describe wine using this word and, uh, and so on. So there's a, there's a, lot, uh, a lot to it. But I, I, I want to move us on because I want to get to the second thing. Uh, the two things we want to talk about today, one is be kind to one another, and the other one is build up one another. And, and that's what I want to move on to that now because that's the word oikodomeo, build mm. up, oikodomeo. It's a compound word, obviously. Um, it, it's absolutely one of my 
favorite Greek words. And so it's it's kind of nerdy to talk about these things, and, and people sometimes roll their eyes. But but if you just bear with me, this I I don't know, maybe it's just me. You can tell me afterwards whether it's just me. But I I this I find this fascinating because the word is is a compound word. And it's made, the first part of it is oikos, or oiko, or oikos. And oikos is the Greek word that literally means house. Now, if you in Scripture, if you go back to the Old Testament, all the way back to the days of the tabernacle, you will recall that uh, when God uh, uh, instructed Moses to build the tabernacle, the reason he gave to Moses was that I may dwell among my people. So the tabernacle was, uh, the principal idea was a, a dwelling of God amongst his people. So think relationship, right? Yeah. Right? This is all very relational. And, uh, and then, uh, as you come up to the time of David, David says, you know, it's not right that I should be living in a, in a, in a, in a permanent dwelling, a house, and, and, and the Lord is in a tent. Uh, so I'm gonna, I got an idea. I'm going to uh, build a house for, for God. And, uh, of course, uh, I, think, I think, is it Nathan the prophet, I think, that uh, comes to David and says, uh, you know, this is, very admirable that you want to build God a house, but this is what God says. God says, you're going to build me a house? Let me tell you what, I'm going to build you a house. Mm -hmm. And then what God goes on through the prophet to say there, he talks to him about his lineage. He talks to him about family. He talks to him about a son that would be born and then uh, and who would be, uh, as we come in the New Testament, God with us, God in... God, Emmanuel, God with us, God in the flesh, yeah. um, <clears throat> God incarnate, and we, and it says that uh, Mary and Joseph uh, were sent off to Bethlehem uh, for the uh, census because he was of the house of David or the house and lineage of David. Mm. So by the time you get to uh, the you know, if you if you follow the development through, that the the word house becomes it starts to be used very early on in history as a metonym for family so it means uh household that's why the word oikos in the new testament is often translated household mm. so it's it's a metonym in the sense that it's like this building we're in right now uh you can refer to this as a house but what really matters is it's a home yeah it's a place where people uh, are related and and where there there's community happening and relationships happening and so so you say now you, and you think okay what does all that have to do with build up one another well it has a tremendous a lot a lot to do with it because uh, as we will see when Jesus said I will build my church Matthew chapter sixteen mm -hmm. and the gates of hell will not prevail against it he used the word oikodomeo. To build. Interesting. Okay. It is. It is interesting. Uh, so the word oikodomeo, two words in the Greek that brought together to make a compound word and and becomes metaphorical, so it's not literal, but literally it means house build. Mm -hmm. So the two words are house and build. And they put them together. And, and, and when you see the word, uh, when, when you see the words build up in your English Bible, it's that word oiko de mail, house build. And um, the older version, the King James Version, uh, and I think some other versions use the term edify. Yes. So when you see that word, that's that's the word, oiko de mail. And uh, so uh, it's it, how significant is that? Well, in my mind, it's when you consider 
that um, you have passages that, and I think a lot of the book of, uh, of Ephesians, for example, where there's a strong emphasis on God building a house, mm. God building a temple. Paul says we are the temple of God and uh, we're his dwelling uh, place. And uh, I, I want to look at just a, a, a few of the scriptures. But before we get there, let's just uh, just just read a just again read a few other scriptures, Josh, if you would. Um, again, the advanced readings project we sent it was Ephesians, all of Ephesians chapter four. But if you look at uh, verse twenty nine, if you could read that. Yes. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. Okay, so practically speaking, you know, what does that passage mean? You know, we're not supposed to allow any corrupt talk to matter of mouth, but only. It's, it's, it's said in absolute terms. So it's not like occasionally or most of the time. It's, it's all the time. Yeah. No corrupt talk. Always only talk that is what? That builds up. And mm. that's that, that word. Oikodomeo. Um, and uh, some, uh, some uh, translations have is, is that is uh, beneficial. Uh, and benefits, and which is interesting that the word for kindness is rooted in that idea of being useful or helpful or beneficial. So there's a connection here between kindness and edification, if you will, yeah. uh, which is interesting. So th does it mean that we're not supposed to ever say anything uh, difficult to one another, or we're not supposed to say hard things to one another? Obviously not, right? Because we know from Scripture that there are times when we need to say hard things to one another. Mm. But we do need to exercise a lot of care, even just like when uh, last week we were talking about Paul's words, admonition to, uh, to uh, uh, bear uh, one another's burdens and you know, restore a uh, fallen brother, how we, he says you need to be careful there. Well, this is one of those places we need to be careful too, because we have a tendency to say, well, I'm going to offer some constructive criticism. Right? <laughs> oh no, yeah. this, I, this is constructive criticism. And the problem is, is that when we go to offer constructive criticism, a lot of times we're not really good at examining our own motives, right? Mm. We, we, we can convince ourselves that this is constructive criticism when in reality, it's just maybe our own dark hearts uh, wanting to show um, mm. uh, our own smartness or... It or might whatever. be corrupting criticism it, rather than constructive. Well, it, that's exactly it. And because our hearts, we have the, we have the, the capacity um, to deceive ourselves and I, you've noticed it I've noticed it I'm sure it's true in my own life too where there are times when I can be so convinced that I'm doing God a service and the one I'm really serving is the devil because mm. my heart's not right even though I've convinced myself you know I'm serving God and I've seen it a lot I, I've, I've watched people you know um, say things and do things thinking that they're serving the cause of Christ and really, but but really, it's destructive. And yeah. we know who's behind behind that. John ten ten, the thief comes to, to destroy. Mm -hmm. um, so, and um, even uh, I find it interesting in uh, in Second uh, Corinthians, Paul talks about uh, how God gave him authority to build people up, not to tear them down. A couple of passages, Second Corinthians ten eight. Yes, ten eight. Right here, for even if I boast a little too much of our authority, which the Lord gave for building you up and not for destroying you, I will not be ashamed. So there he distinguishes, right? Authority for building you up, 
and not for destroying you. Mm. And then that's in chapter 10. And then in chapter 13 and verse 10, he, he repeats that. For this reason I write these things while I am away from you, that when I come I may not have to be severe in my use of the authority that the Lord has given me for building up and not for tearing down. It's interesting, the word severe is placed in Scripture as an antonym. If you go to Romans chapter 11, for example, it's the antonym of the word kindness. When Paul talks about, behold, the severity and goodness of God, the word for kindness there is the word we were looking at before. The word for severity is juxtaposed as the the opposite of that kindness. And so again, you see the overlap here, the idea of being constructive is what's, what's really helpful, not... Not something you've, you know, done some twisting in your mind that really is all about you, but what is really actually helpful and constructive for the other person. I just find that very interesting that Paul says, you know, twice to the Corinthians, you know, God has given me authority, but it's not authority to tear you down. I don't have the authority to tear people down. I only have the authority to build, build people up. And so, again, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29, uh, don't let any corrupt communication committee mode, but only that which it builds people up. So yeah. there's an absoluteness to that. Uh, all of our communication should be constructive. Mm. And we have to be careful that we don't fool ourselves into thinking we're being constructive. You've had people share, you know, share a, a, a prayer request, which really is just, it's just gossip, but they've convinced themselves that it's, their motives are, are pure. Uh, we all yeah. have a tendency to do those kinds of things. So we just really need to be careful. Um, it's interesting, in Acts chapter 20, uh, Paul uh, committed the Ephesian elders to the grace of God, and uh, you have that passage, Acts 20, verse 32. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. God and the word of his grace is able to build you up, like a domain. Uh, now, that's the Ephesian elders he was talking to, right? Mm-hmm. So then when he wrote the book of Ephesians, when he wrote the letter of Ephesians, the book of Ephesians, that we're, that's where our, our, you know, our text, primary text is here, Ephesians chapter 4, uh, verse 32, is uh, be, uh, be kind to one another. Uh, but um, I guess we, didn't, we actually didn't read the Thessalonians passage for which this built up. But all of these, all these passages use the same term, uh, oikodomeo, or variations of it. But in Ephesians chapter 2, there's this section where uh, I, I believe personally it's a really it's the key to the whole book of Ephesians, understanding what the letter of Ephesians is really all about and the main things on, that's on Paul's heart. Uh, if you could read Ephesians 2, 19 to 22. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure, being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. So the word built and built, build and built there, you know, um, is recurring. You know, and you have the language of construction. You have, to, uh, you know, Paul refers to Christ as the cornerstone Mm -hmm. and so when you build a building you have a cornerstone and then you relate and you fit everything according to the cornerstone how it's related to the cornerstone and that's how you build 
a, a building in Paul in Paul's day at least, and there's still there's still a lot. You you know that starting point is still critical, right? Yeah. Everything relates to that corner right there. That corner is where it is because that corner is where it is. And yeah. when Jesus is in his rightful place, and we're building our lives on him, then we have a, a, a real spiritual building. And and so the language is there. He talks about the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Christ is a cornerstone. And then he talks about the whole structure being joined together, mm. grows into a holy temple in the Lord. And then it says, in him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by his spirit. So the emphasis is on this whole idea of dwelling place, the dwelling place of God, that God is working in our lives to make us into a dwelling place for his spirit. And that's where, when you come, when by the time you get up to um, Ephesians chapter 4, and Paul's talking about unity, 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 and how critical unity is, that's why unity is critical. Because yeah. when you're not rightly related in, in, in a construction project, everything has to be rightly related. If it's not rightly related, you don't have what you're hoping to, to, to uh, construct, right? Mm. So this idea of being constructive is very is very uh, very relevant to the you know uh, to all of all of this, um, and that's why the the uh, the theme of unity is so important. So then, when you come to Ephesians chapter four verses one through six, all about unity, but Ephesians chapter four eleven twelve about God giving gifted leaders to the church. Uh, if you could read that, uh, Josh, uh, Ephesians four eleven and twelve. Ephesians four verse eleven. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ. So there's building up the body of Christ, and who does that? The saints. The saints. The, not, the, not the leaders. Primarily the leaders are to equip, we talked a little bit about that word last week, but the leaders are to equip the people for the building up, of uh, the body of Christ. And so ministry belongs to the body. Leadership is important, but ministry belongs to the body. Building belongs to the body. Building people up, building this dwelling place, building up the church of Jesus, people uh, who comprise the church of Jesus is a responsibility for all of us. All of us are called to build up one another. Right? Now, as he goes on there, and, and we are getting closer to the end of my diatribe here. But but uh, if you would read Ephesians 4, 13 to 16. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes, Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So, these thoughts all tie together, right? Yeah, that's good. In a big way. Mm -hmm. So, Ephesians chapter 4, the last verse you read, for whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly. Uh, God is a builder. 
and he calls us to build with him. He wants to build with us, and he wants us to be involved in this, this glorious um, uh, enterprise that he refers to as his church, his, his kingdom community. Uh, when each part is working properly, that's working there, is the ministry serving, right? Makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Speaking the truth in love. Those are building materials. Um, so just, uh, just uh, a couple more just quick verses, just a quick reference. Uh, this word, it, it, it occurs throughout the New Testament. Um, Oikodomeo, uh, Romans 14, 19. It says, So then... Let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. See, that's another reference. Romans 15, 1 through 3. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build them up. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. So over and over and over again, literally. And so, so here's, here's, the, here's the thing. God is a builder. God is a construction worker. It is God's divine nature to be constructive. He is good. God is good. And everything he does is good. Everything he does is constructive. He's a builder. He's not a destroyer. He doesn't tear stuff down. He builds up. God is a people builder. He doesn't tear us down. Um, in Ephesians chapter 2, we didn't read it there, but in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, 10, For by grace are you saved through faith, and not, not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Uh, so over in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and we, well, I won't get you to read this, Josh, but there uh, Paul says uh, that we are God's fellow workers. We are not only God's building, but we are also God's uh, fellow workers. So, so um, you know, uh, we are called and we are privileged to be involved in one another's lives, but that involvement must always be uh, constructive. It's, it's, it's amazing when you think about it, like how humbling this is, is that God would involve us. That God would involve us in what He's doing, you know. We the journals that we are encouraging people to, to write in. You know, yeah. what's God been doing in my life? You know, this week, what's God doing in my life? What's God doing in my life? And part of the reason why we wanted to to uh, to write that down is so that we can share things with one another, so that we become part of what God's doing in their lives mm. as we build one another up uh, in, in love. But there's a caveat. There's a really important caveat to all this. I mean, like it's it's to think about it. It's 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 mind-boggling. Why? Like why? Why would God won't even want to involve us? We know our own uh, <laughs> finiteness and our own uh, sinfulness and our own weakness and, and limitations and unworthiness. But God, uh, he he says, you know, you are my fellow. Workers, we're called into this work of building others up, building others up, building others up. What an incredible privilege that is! But there is a caveat, and the caveat is that if, in order to, to uh, for God, for us to work with God, we need to allow God to work with us. God 
works in us and through us, and God doesn't work through us until he's worked in us, because you and I don't have what it takes to do what needs to be done. Uh, And so there's a paradox in this, of course. Um, But the dwelling place idea is that it is God dwelling in us, and it's allow as I, it's a, as we allow Him to have His way in our lives, as He builds us, that then He also at the same time calls us into and equips us mm. to build one another up. And uh, you know, I think of the passage in Philippians chapter one verse six, uh, where Paul says, "I'm sure of this that He who has begun a good." work in you will continue to perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Uh, we're talking about two immense privileges here. Yeah. And one is, is that uh, to have God working in your life, to have God making you. You know, when you open up your life, when we open up our lives to, to the Lord and he, com- and he comes in and he says, you know, if we, we turn from our sin and turn to him, He'll forgive us, and he, he comes into our lives. He indwells us. Um, but then, and then, but then, I mean, if that wasn't enough uh, 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 to amaze us, then to, to give us the privilege of, of to, of, uh, ministering to one another, uh, being used by God to, to build his, his church. Uh, it, it really, really is. Uh, is it's it's incredible. Um, so at this point in this series, you know, we we uh, I think we need to recognize that the goodness of God, the kindness of God, that we are to emulate, is directly related to God's constructive nature, and it's all about the kind of community that exists when Jesus is at uh, the center of that. And this journaling project that we're encouraging people to do, we're not just encouraging people to write down what God's doing, but, but write down what God's doing in their lives so that we can share with one another as we do life together in conjunction to our study of the Word of God and in conjunction with how we are experiencing uh, community uh, centered around, around, uh, uh, around Jesus. Hmm. And so I think we need to uh, uh, push back against this whole natural cultural gravity to to uh, be uh, more individual and to be uh, almost anti-community and we need to press into this sense of uh, community that that uh, that uh, christ has for us uh, i think the the, the, the uh, john 13 you know new command give i unto you love one another as i've loved you by this shall all men know that you're my disciples this is how people will know you belong to me. It'll be your love for one another. So be kind to one another. Build up one another. Um, last week, bear one another's burdens. Bear with one another. This week, be kind to one another and build up one another. Mm. Very community-oriented. It's pretty neat how we're going through the one another's in alphabetical order. But the correlation between the yeah. two of them that we touch on every Sunday, I think we're going to continue to see that as we go forward through them. Really yeah, cool. uh, it, it's, it is amazing. Yeah, it really is. Well, thank you, Steve. Some really good practical stuff there. That passage in Ephesians where we're built together in Christ, every joint working together, built together in love, that just seems to cap it all off for me. Yeah.
yeah, the, the idea that God is a builder, you know, the, the constructive nature of God. Yeah. The enemy is a destroyer, but God is a builder. Yes, and that we're the building, but we're also the builders. Yeah, 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 that, yeah, it's part really of the cool. paradox, yeah. It makes me think of, like, when you're working on something and you're trying to hold it up in place and at the same time grab the screw gun to screw it in. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah, We should do these things together, Yeah, you know? oh, yeah, if you try to build something all by yourself, uh, uh, substantial, it is, it is rough. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that came, that's often comes to my mind, there's a proverb that says, a wise woman builds her house, but a foolish woman tears her house down with her own hands. Yeah. And I don't think it's talking about a physical house there. I think he's talking about family, right? Yes. I mentioned home earlier. You know, that idea that, you know, uh, uh, in a sense, we're, we're all homemakers, right? We're making people feel welcome and loved and, and speaking the truth and love to one another. And mm -hmm. it's, just, it's just such, it's so constructive. It's so, it's so good. There's such evidence of the goodness of God in it all. So that was a good song you picked earlier, the goodness of God. Mm -hmm. <laughs> What are we going to do now? It's a good song to tie into just about everything. The goodness true. of God. It's true. It's a pretty broad, encompassing thing. <laughs> Did we get any uh, special requests in the comments there? No? I don't know. People don't want to hear any more? <laughs> <laughs> that might be the request. Stop. Yeah. <laughs> well, we, we have to close it at some time, so maybe this is the time. Um, thank you so much for participating. We think we had people on YouTube, although I have no idea. It still says live, <laughs> but I see that we have people on Facebook. So it was really good to be able to spend this time together and Josh for hosting. Thank you. The fire feels so good. I really hope the power's on when I get home. That would be really that nice. That would be really good. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. Yeah, for sure. We get, we gained our, we got our back last night around 10 yes. and then it went off about two, two o'clock. 2.30 this morning, something like that, and it was soft when I left the house, so. Yeah. But it's all good. It's on. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> they're playing with you. No, they're not. Um, <laughs> let's close it there. Yeah. I'll pray. Father God, we want to thank you so much uh, for being able to gather in this way. Technology is so incredible, and when we get to use it like this to come together and to talk about your word, to sing about your amazing power, God, we thank you for the great God that you are and for the blessings that you send into our life every day. We pray for our church family where they may be. Maybe some hurt their back or fell on the ice in all this snow and wind this weekend. Maybe some are still without power and trying to keep things cold in the fridge or keep their family warm. We pray you'd bring encouragement and help their way, Father. Thank yes. you for how our church family reaches out and helps and shows concern and care and kindness to those around us. Thank you, Father. God, I, I thank you so much uh, for your word, for who you are today. We thank you for our members meeting coming up. We pray for the pastoral administrative assistant position. God, we pray that you would work your will and your direction and guide us in your ways and your vision for the future at Faith Baptist Church. Yes. Thank you so much, yes, Father. Sir. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Thank you, everyone. I think I saw a thumbs up there. Blessings on your day and your week. Stay warm. <laughs> All right.